Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word, Ashes Daily. I'm Adam Collins. Next to me, as ever, is Jeff Lemon. We do all of this for Seabus Super, the industry super fund, hitting your retirement for six, as you full well know. And you're probably waking up and seeing a day that was rain interrupted. But what we're going to tell you, Jeff, is that it was a fascinating day all the same. It's cold in Manchester. It's grim. There's still a lot of work for for both sides to do to get the desired result from this point forward. But this was a very, very interesting couple of sessions of cricket. Open inverted commas, proper test cricket, close inverted commas, in 30 seconds. Well, it it was proper. England looked like they were getting on top for a while. Mitchell Stark bowled a a bunch of trash. It was knocked around by Rory Burns and Joe Root. They put on 141, looked like they were on top. Then Pat Cummins bowled one of the great spells of his life. Ten overs, didn't take a wicket, should have, um, but pinned them down, dried them up, and then Josh Hazelwood came on, bang, 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 three in a row, got the two out, plus Jason Roy, five for 200 at the close, one of those being the night watchman, Craig Overton. Yeah, so Overton falls when the score's on 25 to Hazelwood to start the day, and you're thinking, well, look, anything's possible here. But Root comes out, applies himself really well through a tough period with Burns, and then they they prosper. And really, as you alluded to in the summary, they, they prosper when Stark comes back for his second spell. They add, I think it's 22 runs in two overs from the left armour. That breaks things up a little bit. So any advantage Australia were trying to exert was withdrawn somewhat. It took that magnificent spell from Cummins. So 10 overs on the bounce either side of T. I mean... It's hard to, in a way, like want to see him bowl that many overs in a row. He doesn't bowl that many overs in a row for a reason, but I guess the T interval helped break that up somewhat. He was unreal. To think he didn't take a wicket in that stanza is beyond me. And then Hazelwood cleans up with three, who was also brilliant today from the get-go. So... Look, yeah, Hazelwood has the spoils, but it's classic bowling in partnerships, isn't it? Yeah, and look, I'm, I was being a bit harsh on Mitchell Stark earlier, but he had two wayward overs. He bowled a couple of really good overs after that and sort of got things back on track. He smashed Joe Root in the box so hard that it cracked his box in two. Uh, if you can think of a more terrifying thing on a cricket field, <laughs> I don't want to know about it. Because it snapped they, the right way, though. It snapped... Um, across across rather than up and down. Yeah, up and down's the one where, well, I've, I've seen it on the... Uh, I've, well, we've 
we've all seen David Lloyd on the television a hundred times when it happened to him, but I've seen it in club games where the middle of the box um, opens up and and uh, and the old boy falls in. No Mercifully, good. that didn't happen to Joe Root. The bear trap. <laughs> the bear trap. So, yeah. But, but, yeah, like Stark did do that and he did bowl some good overs at the start. What, what I'm kind of musing as I'm thinking about tonight and what I'm going to write is that I guess when you get to a certain stage of your professional career, you know vaguely what you're doing. And mm. I don't mean like that in a patronising way. I mean, when you're letting the ball go, you have a sense of whether it's full or short outside the off stump or on the woodwork. Yeah, pretty sort of general area. It felt at different points today where Stark didn't, and I think that's quite concerning. Whether it was a combination of nerves, first test match back after a long layoff, you know, all mm. the expectation of him running a muck here on a pitch which should suit his style of bowling, you know, maybe the fact that he hasn't had a chance to be involved on day one and day two with the ball apart from two overs last night, mm. a bad start yesterday. Like, all of these things combined seem to, you know, make him not just not potent, although he was at the start of the day, um, but, you know, profligate. And that was the time when Burns, who was excellent and Root who was nearly as good uh, were able to put the foot down for the biggest partnership in the Ashes so far. It's one of these things where if you talk about his shortcomings some people get mad about it and and it's like of course he can be brilliant, of course we know that, of course we've seen him do it, we've seen him literally win test matches on his own you know that Pakistan series in 2016 back to back, um, some of the incredible performances he's put in away from home, he can do it, we've seen it happen but I I never got the sense during this summer that it was going to happen. I was kind of relieved when they didn't play him in the first test because I just he just didn't feel right. I mean that's a, a really nebulous in your bones kind of thing. But then watching him play in the 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 intra club, he just wasn't there. Watching him bowl at Worcester, he wasn't really there either. And then in the Derbyshire game, yeah, he picked up a few wickets, but they were second div tail enders who and all he had to do was bowl at the stumps and you know, they got out because what are they going to do against someone mm. who can bowl like he can? But you put him up against better players and it, it was as you said, it just didn't feel like he had a plan or had a method like he did all through the World Cup where he absolutely knew exactly what he was doing every ball. And here it was it was that classic thing where it's either wide of the off stump or it's down the leg side and it's it's too infrequently getting in the middle where it needs to be. Yeah, it was lengths as well. And look, that meant that um, Burns and, and Root got busy. And, and for a period of time, Australia were right on the back foot. And I think it was interesting, really, that Stark didn't bowl in the final session at all. Two hours mm. and eight minutes and he wasn't called upon. Now, granted, that's partly informed by the fact that Lyon was holding down one end, even though he wasn't bowling at his best today, I don't think. And, and as we said before, Cummins doing a, a long shift at the broadcast end of the save the men, followed by... Hazelwood, who was cleaning up, but, but still, you, you would think that Stark would would get at least a small burst um, when they're trying to really put the foot down. Like, uh, he's been the attack leader for four years, and I doubt he's ever had a full session where he's not been called upon. Yeah, eleven overs by the end of the day, forty-one runs from it, and as you say, wasn't called back after that third spell. Um, that seems significant. I, there's something I have to say for listeners of the podcast. Rory Burns played well today. He did play well today. He he wasn't. People are going to love that. I know he he wasn't good early, but he's you know he he looked his really awkward self early, but he started to get it going, and a lot of that was Stark giving him just enough room outside off stump. Now the fascinating thing about Rory Burns is he cannot leave the ball. He can't bring himself to do it. I had a look at his um, his beehives today. He's mm-hmm. he's sort of not like the pitch map version for for batsmen, which shows you what balls they play out and what balls they leave. Everything outside his off stump he plays. He just can't. Bring 
bring himself to leave it alone. So uh, yeah, it just sort of sound like, a, you know, the mother of a talk. It's leave it alone, will you? Um, but, you know, he, he keeps fiddling away outside off stump and that can be his undoing. But he started to get it right today. He started to get them out of the middle. He was able to steer Stark away behind point a lot. Um, when Stark overpitched, he was able to drive him through covers or drive him square of the wicket and it started to work. It, it was all offside scoring uh, and then the occasional sort of leg side nudge. He even played a pull shot and actually hit it, which is seems impossible because he's so squared up to the ball that he just he can't get his gloves anywhere near it. Um, or, or, sorry, he gets his gloves too high yeah. but can't sort of get in shape to play the shot. Well, I think we said last he week did. at least, didn't we, that he doesn't play the pull and hook shot for Surrey. Like, you look at the stats and it's the shot he plays almost least and that's what it was his downfall there. And talking to Michael Vaughan about this just before on, on our end of play rap, he's like, the fact is, is he's gone away and worked really hard in, in between the two test matches at being completely disciplined to not play the short ball and swaying, not just ducking, but watching the ball all the way through past the grill of his helmet, which you always hear former players talking about that being the most effective way of dealing with the short ball. It's not necessarily crouching down because you can always run the risk of getting in strife that way. It's watching it all the way past your eye line and that's what Burns did really well, especially the Cummins before the tea break, I thought. And then, I mean, ultimately, um, Hazelwood comes on and gets him on, gets him out rather quite soon thereafter. With thanks to the beauty. Yeah, all, but all the spade work was done by Cummins with the short ball, but at least... Yeah. Burns didn't get himself out falling for essentially yeah. the leg side trap. Well, what he got was a not really a short ball from Cummins that was angling across from Hazelwood that was yeah. angling across him and really kicked off the surface and surprised him a bit with the bounce and he, he kind of fenced it into the cordon. But that was a hell of a piece of bowling. It was the first of three wickets in quick succession. So uh, Root gets hit on the pad by Cummins and then Hazelwood hits him in almost the identical spot, but he was adjacent and, and uh, assessed his leg before on 71. But another contribution from Root that's two. In a row, so he's getting yep. into the series at the right time. Although but he's still a, doing what he does, which is make seventy. You know, he makes a fifty. He, he doesn't make a defining score. And I mean, just off the top of my head, when was it? The first test in Cardiff in twenty fifteen was yep. the last time he did that in an Ashes test, and he got dropped on naught there. So he, there's this. You know, a few years ago it was Root or Smith, who's better. Now it's daylight, 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 daylight and daylight because, yeah. you know, Smith makes 200 and Root says, well, as your nemesis and opposing, um, you know, star batsman, I'm going to make 70. It's just not enough. He just, yeah. it, and, and it might seem harsh to criticise a guy for, for making 70, but he he doesn't do what he needs to do. Oh, he I'm sure he would. I, and I'm sure he, well, he does when he's asked about it. It is a frustration of his and that's why he looks so, uh, he looks so frustrated when he walks off after making a half century. But again, you know, let's not, um, let's not miss the bit about Josh Hazelwood. Great bit of bowling yeah. bringing it back. And likewise to Jason Roy. But I guess the difference between Root and Roy's dismissal and Roy fell for 22, bold middle stump, da donk, out of the ground. Through the, through the stump mic. David Lloyd on the call, a full pint, a full pint, which um, I always enjoy uh, his various um, various bits and bobs on commentary. Uh, he, he, he doesn't have a forward defensive d- d- you know, sort of uh, process to lean on. So, again, um, talking to Vaughan about this, he, he tries to play his defensive shots to mid-on and mid-off, but always trying to punch rather than sort of playing with soft hands the way that you might see Burns do. Yeah. And I know he's batting number four and not opening at the moment, so the job's slightly different. But nearing the close, the, the, the light was worsening. They were going to go off 
pretty soon. soon. He didn't need to be playing with hard hands at that. Yeah, and, and he had the opportunity, you know, 65 overs gone when he comes out. The ball's old. You know, he's got that opportunity to to just wait and, and come back tomorrow and do some more. So, But it was Hazelwood picking up on those weaknesses, which is one that Root hangs back and tries to play back in his crease. Yeah. So, you know, when it moves off the seam and he's struck on the pad, he's gone. He didn't even think about a review. He just walked off. And then, you know, as you say, Roy's sort of reaching out in front in front of his pads and, and leaving that big gap there. I was up in the, the the grandstand to the side when when that happened and you could just, you know, see the, the, the stump go, you know, just it didn't fly backwards but it just toppled as I, like the leaning tower of Pisa finally succumbing to gravity. It just went <laughs> dunk, backwards <laughs> yeah, out of the ground. Was, yeah, the stump mic did its job there as well, didn't it? It sounded magnificent. Uh, so Ben Stokes is not out seven at the close. Uh, it's Johnny Bairstow on two. They're still 98 short of the follow-on mark because Australia, of course, had such a uh, such a mighty first innings, 497 yep. for eight declared. That is going to be interesting. Uh, and I, know, I know the follow-on isn't in fashion and I appreciate why it's not. I know it's back-to-back test matches but rain reduced game they're not going to get the 100 and how many overs have we got left in the game 196 because of the extra overs uh, the next two days because yep. of the rain they're not going to get 196 overs in. they're not going to get 180 overs in bad light will stop play both days so is there an argument for in this scenario going for broke and enforcing the follow-on and getting the, the getting the bowling work done first or do you go out and bat and try and pile on 120 runs but less about the runs more about giving the bowlers a break and run the gauntlet in a city which is renowned for rain well stark might be fresh <laughs> yeah stark yeah. will be fresh but Hasn't i mean done a lot of bowling <laughs> but i guess what i'm saying i'm in a roundabout kind of way is is that Normally, when you're talking about the follow-on, it's about preserving the bowlers, and I think yeah. that's an absolutely worthy argument, especially with back-to-back test matches. They're starting at the Oval three days after this, and that could very well be the deciding test match. But yep. the, if they do get this job done, if they can enforce it, and look, it's a long way away. If ben Stokes and Johnny Bairstow have about 15 test hundreds between them. Let's not forget that. And, of course, Stokes is in the form of his and, life. And but, Butler to come. And Butler to come, then Archer, Broad and Leach. But if they did get busy in the morning, uh, I think they, they might be tempted this time, whereas normally they're not. In fact, I think they should be tempted because you can't trust the weather reports at this part of the world. Because of the volatility, they might lose another 40 or 50 overs. Yeah, that's true. And there might be a, you know, a fair bit of time spent off the field. It's yeah. just... It's it's such a difficult decision to make because, you know, you've already got things like Cummins bowling a 10-over spell and all the rest of it to make him back up immediately and bowl again, which could potentially turn into a long innings sure. and then back up again three days later. You know, maybe that's where the squad depth thing comes into play, make yep. a couple of changes for the Oval, but you, you don't want to leave Josh Hazelwood out when he's bowling like he is or, well, or Pat Cummins. You can't leave Hazelwood or Cummins out for the Oval. I think that's the one thing we probably Unless won't. they're crocked, so unless they end up having yeah. to bowl for the last two days because, you know, something goes amiss. So yeah. I just think that the conservatism will win. You, you can't assume you're going to lose time. You can't bank on losing time. No, no. So you've got to say best case scenario is we do get, say, 160 more overs to play. All, all we can do is take, say, you know, 60 overs out of that with the bat mm-hmm. and then bowl it. Maybe not know. even 60, though. I'm thinking more like two hours, three hours. Like yeah. The, the runs won't matter because England won't be able to chase them down. So. No, it, I just need it so that Smith can um, can make another quick hundred and get up, get up towards the, the Bradman target. The nine seventy four. Yeah, we should be pushing for Australia. We should be pushing for Australia. It's not 
enforce the follow-on so that we can write excessively about the, the Bradman 1930 uh, factoid for yeah. the week. I'm sure we will regardless, but we will. it would help if Smith made runs. That's about... Well, I want to say, though, Cummins, okay. the, the little the edge, Cummins gets the edge between the keeper and first oh, yeah. slip. I, like, oh. he should have, how many wickets should he have had in that spot? And also the fact he, that Warner took two brilliant, technically brilliant catches in that exact spot last week. By that I mean moving to the left is extremely hard for a first slip going behind the keeper. And Warner did it twice expertly mm. last week. So it was kind of interesting that Warner didn't go. Equally interesting that Payne didn't yeah. do as keepers were expected I to. felt like first slip was just a bit too wide. I think Payne didn't go because it sort of instinctively it seemed like a first slip catch, but right, first yeah. slip wasn't there. I don't yeah, know yeah. if they buggered up the cordon or the, with the placements, but it just didn't seem right. Something uh, about the old it didn't debate look right. about the width of the slips. It's, it's something that we, we uh, you know, that's been talked about for the whole time I've been involved in cricket and I'm sure will be forever. Hall of Fame uh, has got to be the smash box. You, you can't you can't yeah. smash a box in half. When Root fishes it out of your strides and then just opens it up like a, like an oyster, just just cracks it up, moister than an oyster in there, um, and just cracks it open and shows, and you're like, oh, God, ah, oh, ah. Oh. No one wanted to know about it. That's, I, I, uh, I'm going to make a nomination, which I didn't think I'd be making, but Tim Payne's bathroom habits. Brad Sanderason, our, our colleague, has been watching this closely through the test match. Tim Payne runs off go for a whiz <laughs> every time Australia take a wicket seemingly he's, okay. he's obviously a very well hydrated man but wow. he noticed that yesterday and also someone on the coverage noticed when he was batting yep. that he took his thigh pad off before going to the bathroom yesterday okay. so you know he's got some quirks as well it's not just Stephen Smith that's his quirks. Pain does too. Wow, there, I'm pretty sure there's a product kicking around a few years ago in America called Stadium Pell, which was like a, a sort of perspex bag of uh, that you could strap to your inner thigh and, and sort of pop like a, a little sleeve on, so that you could drink all the um, terrible cheap lagers that you wanted <laughs> watching a baseball game in, in the US, and, and then just urinate into your, your urine sack that was strapped <laughs> That's to your the leg. Most American thing I've ever heard. Sure was. You don't want to have to get up at the four and a half hour football game uh, in order to you know go to the facilities. So you just you just sit there and fill up a, a three litre bag of piping fresh urine. Um, Land of the free home of the brave. Uh, before we wrap it up, Jeff, well, we Tim should... Payne could get one of those. That's all I'm saying. Just, sure? just strap one on. Stadium pals, look into it. Seabus Super is proud to offer members insurance options that can be oh, yeah. tailored to meet the needs of people working in the building, construction, and allied industries. Seabussuper.com.au. Jump on, grab a PDS. Uh, you know that future performance is not dictated by past performance. You know to jump on the website, and you also know that our t-shirt giveaway is going absolutely gangbusters we've had look i'm not going to tell you how many responses we've had and how many t-shirts we've got because we might just more than enough in. we might put a note into cbus between uh, between the fourth and fifth test match to see whether there's more available because so many get, people get the shirts printing get the presses whirring they've because... been incredibly kind uh various ways that people have pushed it on facebook instagram twitter emailing their mates have received a bunch of screenshots keep doing it it's a lot of fun we're bringing some more people into the show that way. We're getting a flyer campaign posted up around New York City, apparently. So that's True story. Happening. There, there is a there is a leafleting campaign going on around America to help make to ensure that uh, a t shirt will yep. be sent, and I can guarantee yep. a t shirt will be going that way. So we don't even have to make it online anymore. All you need to do is spread the word about the final word. Recommend uh, our wonderful cricket podcast to people who might <laughs> like it or, or might not like it, but they might turn out to like it. And I think we're the number one cricket podcast in America already. So well, I would hope so. We've got I'm at least six sure listeners are, there who've yeah. got. 
yeah, got in yeah, touch I think, with me. I think we're uh, top That's of the enough. charts over there. So that'll that'll be sufficient for to, yeah. to, to guarantee uh, our our, uh, our position there. So just just do that. Um, you know, send the link out or promo it in some way, and then uh, send us some you know a photo or a screenshot or, or link us to what you've done. Final word cricket at gmail or you can find either of us on Twitter and let us know how you're letting people know about the final word. USA. USA and the Seabus final word shirt <laughs> could be finding its way to you. We'll we'll make our with selections that, with, that, with that perspect uh, that you're talking about before. What the, yeah. the, uh, the the what do you what the stadium the, pal? The, the stadium. If stadium we could get pal. a final word branded stadium pal out there, man, well, this is the that would revolutionise cricket. This is next. <laughs> this I better go. I've got to go and write an article, and so do you. This is the final word. Ashes Daily, day four, day four, day three, day three at Manchester Old Trafford. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon, thanks as always to Seabus Super, Industry Super Fund, hitting your retirement for six, seabussuper.com.au. Can't wait to it all again tomorrow. Sorry if I ran into empty broke this, so you know what I meant. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Every day, hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.